0: Welcome to the Going Deeper section of 31 Days of Worldview Wisdom, a Disciple Nations Alliance podcast with Arturo Cuba. In the first episode, Arturo begins a two-part series on how to disciple others in the biblical worldview. Let's go for a defi- definition. What is a worldview? A worldview is a subjective perception about the appearance of life and the universe. Yes, it's subjective. It's just what I... Th- think it is, like the family we saw before, right? That's a worldview. Shared by people with the same cultural upbringing. It's produced from my culture. I see things the same way people in my culture see. The same way. And it's probably the opposite than the other culture. When they say culture shock, that phrase is probably expressing that. A worldview operates from a coherent system that is full of ideas which in fact are only suppositions. Are women less valuable than men? Now, that's a supposition, but we take it as a truth that have been deemed truthful either consciously or unconsciously through individual, group, and or generational experiences. It's not... That- Something you can deal easily with it. He continues, it says, a worldview is a natural function of human nature. Yes, we all have one. Without it, the development of human life is not possible. Whatever it is, for prosperity or for poverty, a worldview is the basic power that moves life. Nobody can live without a worldview. It's impossible, okay? A worldview operates from a subconscious level, and because of that, people normally ignore the fact they have won. I like this part. A worldview operates from a subconscious level, and because of that, people normally ignore the fact they have won. A worldview inevitably determines the short as well as the long-term decisions that every individual in a cultural group make regarding all aspects of life. There's something I like to use a lot to explain this. A worldview, once you get one, it operates subconsciously. You don't notice it's working. It's amazing, but we people in life, we take conscious decisions and subconscious decisions. Conscious decisions is uh, what I like to eat, what school I, I like to go, how I like to dress and things like that. But subconscious decisions are those you don't see. For instance, what age is the right age for a woman to get married? Well, the answer is very simple. It does not belong to biology. It depends of the culture. It depends of the worldview. Because worldview is the way you see. And it's powered by ideas that make them see. How you see women, too old, too young, how do you see marriage, how do you see children? All those things are not determined by a kind of modern, logical thinking. It's just your worldview. The same way that machismo and the same way that uh, discrimination works. The same way. I was saying that, for instance, that's the type of decisions that work subconsciously. It means that because you have a worldview, You don't know it, but your brain made the arrangements for you to get married with a certain guy. And your brain will manage to introduce you to him without you knowing it. What about that? But that is how it works. You don't notice. But it's it's like an ant traveling in a boat. The ant can go here to eat a candy or there to eat a piece of bread But the boat is going by itself to a direction that she doesn't know. It's a subconscious decision. Some people get poor that way because it's a worldview. It's powerful. You can't stop it. In this case, I started with the Bible. It depends also on who are you teaching to. In the case of these people in these communities, they confess they are believers. Maybe they are not that good believers, but they don't reject the gospel, but there are some other places where people rejected the gospel. It could be in some places of Bolivia, for instance. In the case of helping others to understand these things, in my experience what I've seen is, for instance, you can teach them not using Bible scriptures. You can do it, but it's just a an introductory way for them to get more interested. I have had the opportunity to train the staff in Food for the Hungry in Guatemala and in Bolivia. And some of the staff are believers and some are not. But because that's their job, they had to come to my class and to hear everything I said. And we used a Bible study. What was interesting is that we don't focus on the verse like a traditional evangelical way. But what we do is we read the Bible And immediately, we try to help them to make sense with life, with the common things of life, like, for instance, the case of the rat. I read that God said, you are in command. And the first thing I ask them, who is in command, man or rats? Because that's what they are living. And then they will get the connection little by little. And I think it is very important that you can teach them any lesson. One day I met an American pastor, and he told me something really powerful. It blessed me uh, my whole life. He said, Arturo, people don't live out of theologies. People live out of things that make sense in their lives. At the beginning, I didn't understand that. It doesn't mean that you are not going to teach the Bible. What it means is that you have to do it in such a way that makes sense with their lives. That's all. And I remember... There were some people who were not believers in the Food for the Hungry staff, that they heard the teaching, and we immediately talk about the projects and how it's supplied in this way and that way, and in their own personal ways. And I have many times people came to me saying this, Look, I'm not a believer. My wife is a believer. I don't like to go to church. I don't understand what the pastor says. But this thing, it's amazing. And I even want to bring a friend with me. I heard that many times. Mm. Because most of the time, as I told you, we make a dualistic message. God wants to show you this, but has nothing to do with your, with your natural life. It doesn't make sense, if you see. And some people agree with that. I did, because I loved God, and no matter what was the message, I wanted. But some other people don't. But still you need to help them to understand, you know? And that is important. You can see what's the conditions you have to share this, but you can start easily not sharing uh, Bible verses, but that's only as an introduction. Once you see they, they agree with those ideas and you can tell them, look, those things are in the Bible. And people will be fascinated seeing that amazing things of their own lives are already established in, in God's commands and teachings. You can do that, you know. You can do that, but it, it, you have to use your ability to understand was the mind of the public. Another thing it was that Daryl came to us with his teachings, and in the organization we needed those teachings to train the, the staff. But there was a huge difference because Daryl came from a Western world. His teachings were amazing, but still for that world, we had people in our staff who we were very low educated, very low level of education, and sometimes we didn't, we didn't even have a reference for some conversation. So that was a huge challenge for us, how to translate that into what they need to know in their own work, in their own life. That was really amazing. This thing about principles, it worked, but it was still hard. I remember Guatemalans are very nice people. But one of the things that is characteristic in these people is that when they don't understand something, they begin to make jokes. When we phrase biblical worldview, it became a joke for them. They just were laughing, and we couldn't make them understand the idea of worldview. And I have met many people who are very well-educated and still don't understand the, the idea of worldview. So the concept of principles, help you to do something amazing. Help them to get a biblical worldview without knowing what a worldview is. (laughs) It may sound funny, but that's... Because in the end, I'm not interested in having them understand what a a worldview is. Probably they won't, but I do want them to live the Word of God. That's the point. And I want the Word of God to be very effective in the way they use it. So, again, Daryl, brought to us the idea of biblical worldview, that's fine, but using the idea of biblical principle was amazing. Well, the other thing is that, at least in the world where I was working, there is not much uh, reading material to learn more about biblical worldview and things like that, That, that's still a challenge, in Latin America, at least. So we have a a lot of work to do. And uh, reading material is very important, well, I remember a pastor, he lives in Guatemala, yeah, and somebody shared the book with him, uh, Darrow's book, and that changed his life amazingly. He was a very, what can I say, uh, neo-Pentecostal uh, pastor who used to have, his main teaching was spiritual warfare. Uh, he was the kind of guys who sees a demon everywhere, you know, under the table or in the refrigerator or wh- whatever, that, that type of... I don't know if you have come close to some of this, and he read the Bible, and that changed him amazingly. That was God's grace, of course, but reading material is hard to find. So yeah, that's very important. And another challenge is that, and this is very important, is that when you learn about biblical worldview, it confronts you in many ways, and that's something that you never finish to do. It's a Principle by principle, there are many things that are new in your life. You realize you are going the other way. And you have been doing it for a long time. And you need to change that. So you find yourself all the time being challenged by new principles. This biblical worldview idea can produce people that understand the idea of worldview. They know it, but they still don't live it out. You know, it, it's interesting. <laughs> I guess in the, the same thing happens at the church. We know a lot about God, but we don't we don't take him to the practical places. So teaching about biblical worldview have many challenges like that, and especially in your family, you can teach others, but probably you won't be too happy to teach things that you don't practice, you don't live. It's powerful because. One of the principles I like very much is uh, a phrase that says creation is good, yeah? creation is good, because that's the way God made things at the beginning. God saw it was good, it was good all the way. But we have to understand what does it mean, what well, it means that it's good. And we have very nice and interesting sessions with that type of questions. And." When you say that God made this good and that good and that good, in a certain moment, you need to question, and who made trash? (laughs) And then, well, because I have a lot at home. Who made trash? Did God make trash? Is trash good? Uh, What does it mean? How do you get rid of that? And we try to use the whole reasoning of God made things good and many others more. And well, we end up in the idea that no, I have to walk according to what God is saying. So I have to teach my family how to deal biblically with our trash. We have to do it. I don't care if the rest of the neighborhood don't do it or even the nation, because it's my faith, it's my personal commitment. So I'll do it with my kids. And one of the easiest thing that comes Recycling. Okay, let's do recycling. I remember that we decided to recycle paper. We all use a printer, and we print one side of of the paper. And so we made a rule at home. You don't trash paper that still has the other side clean. So we packed all of them, and you make a block of things that you can still use it, but you don't trash it. And if it's already used both sides, we, we have a box that says recycling, and one day somebody will take care of that. But, you know, remember this. It's going to cost you money to take it to a place? Yes, but that's your responsibility with God. It's going to take your time? Yes, it's, because people just trash things, and it doesn't cost money to them, and it doesn't take time. Just to grab the bag and throw it in the in that place. So people think that trash is just that. But if you use the Bible, you can come up with a different idea. So when we teach this, we try people to have a biblical understanding of what trash is. And it's interesting because when you teach anything, you need people to come up with with a concept, it's very important. So if I say creation is good, you say it in your own words, and then you will say it in your own home, how God is good. And it's important for people to do it because it's it's the only way in which you can put their hands in, in the real things, and that happens with trash. So if... I have this definition of trash, then the next step is what can I do with it and how much time and how much money is going to cost. Okay, that's not a problem. If it takes money, many things take money. You need money for buying food, you need money to pay for the goods you have in life, so getting rid of the trash is going to take you money, it's going to take your time. Well, we work on that. And I remember that all my children left home. They went to study, and me and my wife were at home, and we almost didn't use more of the computer, no more papers, and just simple things. And my son, my oldest son, came home to live with us, and we didn't know what was he doing at his room. And we were, one of those, those days, uh, in our living room, and he just came in and looked to us, and said, where is the box for recycling paper? And we just said, recycling paper? (laughs) We had forgotten that for a long time. He didn't. It was a rule for him. And if you go to his room, he has a box for paper, a box for plastics. It takes room. But that's his worldview. It's the way he sees uh, the universe. It's his responsibility in front of, of God. It's, uh, so I, I wonder if, if one day he's going to buy an apartment, he will see everything and say, I don't have room for my trash here. Because that's what we do. Uh, I need a bigger bathroom or I need a bigger this or a bigger that. But imagine having someone saying, I need a place for my trash. Because it's a whole process to get rid of that. But I don't care if the rest of people don't do it. I do it because it's my commitment to God. And if I'm faithful with it, God is going to produce biblical prosperity in me and in my family, and in the whole society if I do my part, you know? So teaching about biblical worldview has an amazing challenge that you have to leave this out in a way that once you leave it, you are much more convinced. You teach with this with authority, And that's what I have found, that some people know about biblical worldview, but they don't leave it. So it it doesn't make sense. It always has to confront you. And if you do it, God will bless you. God will bless you amazingly. Thank you for listening. Here's a question you might want to ponder. Arturo recalls how a pastor once said to him, Arturo, people don't live out of theologies. They live out of the things that make sense in their lives. If this is true, what does it mean for helping people to learn and live biblical truth? Thank you again for listening. In the next episode, our tour will present Part 2 of How to Disciple Others in the Biblical Worldview.